0: I remember, you know, just two months later and, and I get the news that my mom was killed in a car crash and I was allowed to come back to the States for five days. You know, that's all our group would let me be gone. So I came back, you know, dealt with all of this, dealt with my dad and my family and had to hop on the plane and come back to this nation that didn't even want us there and had to leave my poor dad, you know, and come back to this na- for God and for the Lord. Now that was a totally wrong misconception of god but that's the group that we were with that was the kind of they didn't even allow my husband to go back to the states and come to the funeral he said no you got to work to do for god it's too important of a time and he couldn't even come back with me and so i remember getting on that plane and and coming back all that whole trip you know to uh back to australia and i had uh i took luke with me he was one and a half and anna stayed with with larry And so came back and got back to Australia and it was like Tuesday. So I got through Tuesday and, you know, slept a bit and, you know, got over jet like a little bit Wednesday. It was time for church, got in the car, went to church. And I remember walking in and, and we were dealing with a lot of street people and a lot of drug addicts and, People that were heroin addicts, there was a couple girls that had just gotten free from heroin. And I remember walking in the back door and they were waiting for me. And, you know, they said, Oh, we're so sorry what happened. We love you. We love you. And, and one of them goes, I'm really sorry for that. But, you know, can I talk to you about something? Man, I'm having a hard week. <laughs> <And> I'm thinking, <sighs> I said, yeah, you know what, come on, let's go in the office and let's talk. And we just walked in there and she began to tell me all the, th- I prayed with her. You know, I mean, you've got to rise up above some stuff to get somewhere in your life. And, you know, it, there's challenges that we all face. There's, there's stuff. I'm not minimizing the reality of, of pain. I mean, we have all faced some different challenges at different levels. But I'm telling you that God... Is so gracious to see us through, and God has so much grace. I remember when I was first saved and reading Corey Tenboom's book about living in the concentration camps in, in Poland. I'm not sure if she was in Poland, Austria, or whatever. But anyway, in the camps and, and the horrible things that they went through the horrible things that they were tortured and and, and put through. And she made the statement coming out of that, that there is no pit so deep that God's grace is not deeper still. In other words, no matter how deep the pit the devil has dug for you, there's a grace that God pours in that is deeper still and lifts you, and lifts you out of that. And she told the story at the end of that book about Years later, after she had been released and got into the ministry and was doing a great work for God and, and was going around preaching in different places, and she tells a story that she got done preaching one time and all of a sudden this woman came up to her at the end of the service. And this woman begins to share with her how much she had enjoyed the message and, and that she had gotten saved through Corey Ten Boom's preaching uh, sometime before and that you know she just was so grateful for, for Sister Ten Boom's ministry. And then the woman stopped and she said, Now I have to tell you who I am. And this woman began to share with her that she was the prison guard that beat Corey and her sister and ultimately killed Corey's sister. And, you know, Corey Tenbowne said everything within her just rose up and that all the hatred, all the pain, all of the, you know, and she remembered her sister's words in the prison camp. If you've ever seen the movie, you know, you know, you know, the scene where where her sister is dying from being beaten and 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 not having the food and stuff, and Corey is just like, I'm gonna. You know, she was the intense one, and her sister takes her face. She says, Corey, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate. God will help you not to hate. And she said, as she's standing there looking in the face of this prison guard, her sister's words: Don't hate, Corey. Don't hate. Just you know, came alive within her. And she said at that point she had to make the decision whether to forgive this woman or not. Here she's just preached this message. She's just seen all these people saved. God has, you know, used her life. And yet she is face-to-face with this decision whether she'll... You know, let her hatred take over her life. And she said everything within her hated this woman and wanted to just literally kill this woman. But she said what she did was she made the choice. She put out her hand. She physically, you know, had to put out her hand and reach out her hand to this woman. And she said as she lifted her hand, that hate just broke free and fell from her. And an overwhelming love just flooded her soul. For this woman. And all of a sudden she saw this woman not as the enemy. The devil was the enemy that used that woman. And she saw the whole perspective that Satan was the enemy that, that she needed to have righteous indignation against. But all all of her hatred fell away and was filled with love at that point. And she said she never ever had to deal with that hatred again in her life. And so sometimes God will bring you face to face with that person that you have held that against, so you could have that breakthrough, so you could have that freedom. You know, uh just reminds me of a story. I hadn't even thought of this, but a couple, oh, about it. One year ago, Larry and I went to this conference, and, um, you know, when we first moved into this building, we moved into this building. We were in a, another building that seated about 300, and we were having three services in the morning. I mean, we were just, we broke loose. We grew from zero to a 1,000 in one year. It was astounding. Moved into this with such incredible momentum. Moved in, filled the whole bottom and part of the balcony. And just, I mean, it was such a thrill. And about a week after we were here, all of a sudden, this this group of people rose up and just you know, brought this stupid, slanderous letter against us, said all this stupid, stupid stuff, lies, I mean, just absolutely ludicrous stuff. And it was all, you know, based out of a jealousy, you know, and stupid stuff. But anyway, you know, not to belabor that. But anyway, we had made the choice at that time not, not to wallow in bitterness and not to get even, you know, to let God be our vindicator. And God, you know, vengeance is his, you know? And so anyway, we got all through that. But, you know, sometimes you don't really realize how through it you are. And so we were at this conference, and I walked into the back door. And as a matter of fact, we'd been at lunch with this couple, and they had been in one of our conferences, and they had heard this story about what had happened at that time. And the only reason that we even tell stories like that is is not to, you know, keep bringing up the past, but Pastors and people need to know when they're confronted with big, ugly situations that, that we've gone through them too. And God brings you out on the other side, you know? So that's the only reason we bring stuff up. So anyway, this couple were at lunch and they asked, she asked me, she goes, You know, tell me, how did you ever get through that big uprising in your church? Because out of that slanderous letter, you know, we lost, uh, we came into this building with a thousand people and the next Sunday service we had 300. So it was a bit of a blow, you know? (laughs) She goes, how did you get through that? Because they had just had an uprising in their church, and this group rose up and, you know, slandered them and all this stuff. She goes, just talk to me about it. And I was telling her, I said, you know... All things work together for the good. You know, if you keep your heart right, God will make right turn out right. God will always honor you and vindicate you. You don't have to vindicate yourself to to everybody. If people are always going to say stuff, you can't stop that. All you can do is stay right with him, and he'll bring vindication. So I was telling her this. We go back to the church after lunch. We walk in the side door, and there's this lady greeting and immediately, I remember this lady from our church reached out, hugged her, and said, Oh, how are you? My goodness, how you been? How's your daughter and everything? All of a sudden, it dawns on me, that's the lady who wrote the letter. <laughs> and she's, she's an usher in that church that we were at, you know, and has been there since she left here. <laughs> and as I looked at her, I was so aware of the fact that I didn't hate her. <laughs> That I didn't want to choke her. You know, that my hug didn't turn into a. Whoops, <laughs> sorry, just had my nails done. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Let me get a tissue. <laughs> and honestly, but no, honestly, I walked away and I went into the restroom with this lady that I had lunch with. I go, that was her. <gasps> Oh my gosh! I thought God would have killed her five years ago. (laughs) I can't believe she's still alive. (laughs) But anyway, I'm just saying. I was so amazed at me. (laughs) I amazed myself that that I didn't even I couldn't even conjure it up. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't even conjure up those old feelings. I couldn't hardly remember what she had done. I had to you know remind myself because i distinctly remember forgetting and and so i i really was was so amazed how god had just, just totally just like plucked that out of my heart and it wasn't even real anymore we had a situation where a woman a couple that had come to our conference um this was several years ago and they they were one of the divorce cancellations at our conference and this couple literally was, I mean, they already had all the attorneys involved their, the, the divorce was just about final. All they had to do was file the papers. And all of a sudden they got a call from us to come to our conference. We didn't know them. Someone just gave us their name. And just that morning, the wife had said, she prayed and she said, Lord, if you don't do something today, I'm going down, I'm filing the papers. Our marriage is over. Our ministry is over. I don't care anymore. I'm out of here. And, I mean, they had had some major stuff happen. I mean, like ugly stuff, you know. The devil just took his toll on him and, you know, infidelity and just, you know, really hurtful things. Really, really entwined in, in some stuff that wasn't good. But when they came in, and they they came about midweek, and they asked if they could come in and talk to Larry and I. So they came in. We began to, you know, listen to to their story. And honestly, in the natural realm, it's like, oh, my God, how could you ever fix this? Lord, this is so entwined. God, how could you ever fix this? And honestly, how could she ever forgive? That's the natural realm. But as we began to pray for them, we prayed for them and, 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 and... they kind of made the choice that, that, yes, they would let God help them and they'd give it, a, give it a chance. After we prayed, a supernatural presence of God came in to that room. And all of a sudden, by their making the choice to allow God, you know, God, all right, I'll let you at least try to help me. By the time that we got through that prayer, they were weeping. I mean, they're literally looking at each other and going, you know what, I think, I think God can do this. I think God could do this. And as we began to then continue to pray, and then we talked to him, and, and I said to her, I said, you know what? I just feel like God is just going to, through this, he's just going to, like, take that pain out. He's just going to supernaturally reach it and take that pain out. And you're, you're, you're going to be going, where was that pain? You're going to try to have to remember what it was all about. Well, she came to me at the end of the week. This was like Wednesday. She came to me on the, on the end of the week, and she said, I I'm absolutely amazed. She said, honestly, I'm looking at him, and she goes, it's like when we first met. She said, I'm looking at him, and I'm just, I'm sitting in church, and I'm lusting after him, honestly. She goes, I'm like, oh, I'm in church. <laughs> you know, I mean, and this, you know, they've been married 35 years or something, you know. She said, ah, and she says, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, what was I so mad about? You know, and I mean, she had something to be mad about, I'm telling you. But because she, they made the choice to let God help them, she said it literally had just pulled out of her. And she was. She said, I even sat there and tested it. She says, I sat there and tried to get mad at him and tried to pull up those feelings that she had just three days prior. She I like, could, I couldn't find him. I could not find them in myself. I couldn't find him anywhere. And this was, I think this was like three or four years ago. They still come back every year, they're having revival, and every year when they come to our conference, they are down here at this altar ministering to other couples that are going through marriage problems. And, and and I've asked her, you know, every year I ask her, you know, how's it how's it going? How are you doing? You know, and every year she says, I still can't find those feelings. I still they're they're gone. They're, they're. I mean it's a miracle. And so all I'm saying and telling you all of these stories is that. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your life has been through, God can take it and all things work together for the good of those that love God. Romans 8.28, I mean, my husband and I have lived by that spirit since literally the day we got saved. All things work together together for the good of those that love God. No matter what the devil throws your way, no matter what he brings your way, God takes it and turns it around and uses it for good. And one of the best illustrations that I like to use is, is like when you see a tapestry, you know, back in, in my other life, (laughs) I used to do some, you know, little needlepoint stuff like that. You know, those little, you know, it was kind of fun, you know, when you just sat and did, had nothing to do (laughs) I distinctly remember forgetting those days. (laughs) But anyway, you know how on a needlepoint you've got the whole picture on the top and every little stitch counts, but you turn it over and you look underneath. It's just a big mumble-jumble mess and everything's going every which way. You know, And I like to use that illustration that that tapestry is like it's our life. And as we look up, oftentimes we're seeing the underneath side and we're seeing all the mumble-jumble. And the you know threads going every, every which way. We can't make sense of it. It doesn't look like a picture. It just looks like a mess. But God is looking down and he's seeing the top side. And he sees that every stitch is working for the good. He doesn't necessarily bring every stitch. God doesn't bring bad things. I've heard people use that illustration and say God planned every stitch, every horrible thing in your life. God planned it out to work something. I don't believe that. I believe that, that God is a good God. And he doesn't need to use terrible things to teach us. But in the midst of life, in the midst of our wars with the devil... There will be certain things that come your way or have come your way and God will use them. He'll take those stitches and he'll turn them into a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tapestry. And all things will work together for the good of those that love God. But see, we have the power to determine our attitude, to determine our joy. My One of my favorite sayings is we're as happy today as we choose to be. And every morning, you know, when I get up and there's that flood of of stuff you know just this last couple weeks i mean it was one of the most stressful weeks i've had in in oh a, a month or two <laughs> it was really stressful i had some really stuff going on that i had to deal with and and just the the schedule i mean this has been like just warp speed for the last couple weeks, you know? And so, I mean, mentally, and, and I was really tired and, exci- and I literally, I mean, I had to get up every morning and fight through some, some battles and some things and literally just engulf myself in the presence of God because you get up and that whirlwind starts and all those thoughts start coming. All those emotions start flooding you. And every morning we have learned to do this. Larry and I have learned. First thing you do is you get up and you put all that aside. And you focus in on our Father. We focus in on who He is. And all of a sudden all that stuff gets put into perspective. All of a sudden all those mountains you're facing. Oh, they're little molehills. They're no big th- Maybe they're a big thing for me. But they're no big thing for God. They're nothing. He can change it just like that. And as you focus yourself on who he is, how much he loves you, wants to take care of your life, and how much he is able to take care of your life, all of a sudden, it's, it, it, it just melts away. Those problems and that oppression just melts away. But you've got to focus and you've got to make the decision to stay happy. You know, I've told this story before, but when you get up in the morning, if you're, if you're a mother. You know, you're probably like me. You know, I've got a lot of stuff in my life, but I'm still a mother, you know. I still have one daughter in school, and we have to, I have to get her up at 5.30. Well, that ticks me off to begin with. <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, that's absurd. But that's the way it is. And so every morning, it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm just, ooh, it just makes me so mad <laughs> if I let it, and so you know, I don't like getting up at five thirty. That means you know, if I go to bed at midnight, I got you know four and a half hours, sl- five and a half hours sleep. You know, I don't, I don't get by on that very well. <laughs> I at least need six. You know, and so, so anyway, immediately, you know, when that alarm goes off, <sighs> you know, and then if I keep hitting my snooze and I go in and I wake Katie up too late, Mom, I need an hour. Why did you wake me up late? well, Katie, I was really tired. (laughs) So immediately she, you know, we're at odds with each other at 5.30 in the morning. Even if I get her up on time, you know, she's not in the best mood either. And so, you know, we uh, immediately, there's this little clash of the wheels at 5.30, you know, (laughs) I'm the enemy shaking her madly, you know? And so immediately we both have to have an attitude adjustment. Katie, Come on, you have to get up and get moving. If I'm late and she's mad at me, then, Katie, it's going to be all right. You're just going to have to move a little bit faster. Now, come on, get up now. You're wasting time. You're burning daylight, girl. Let's move it. Come on, move it, move it, move it. Let's go. <laughs> so immediately our wheels are in direct opposition to each other. And I'm the enemy invading that warm, cozy little, you know. In fact, Katie has a little... uh Electric blanket that, you know, she turns on at night, but she tells me every night, now turn this off tonight. She gives me my list. Come in and turn my radio off and come in and turn my electric blanket off. I'm like, why do you want me to turn your electric blanket off? Because it makes it too hard to get up in the morning. It's all too warm and cozy. If the bed's cold, at least I, you know, (laughs) it's easier to get up. (laughs) And so then we got to move, you know, and every minute counts because we got to catch the bus. If we're one minute late, the bus is gone. Then i got to take her all the way to the school, you know, so we've got that schedule to keep. So we're moving it along. Come on, move it, move it, move it. You know, a couple weeks ago, she had me get her up a half an hour extra early. So 5 o'clock I had to get her up because it was picture day. And she had to have her hair a special way, and she was going to try this new curly do that she'd found. So I get her up at, actually, it was quarter to five. I mean, I was like, I can't even believe I'm doing this. <laughs> but I get her up. She's in there washing, she's prepping, she's doing the curling iron, you know, each little curl. She gets her hair all done and she's in tears. I can't have my pictures taken like this. Oh man, after all this, no, you're going. Come on, we are out the door. No, I can't. I can't believe you're acting this way. Katie, we don't have time. To- Please, Mom, take me to school. Please, Mom, please, Mom, please, Mom, take me to school. Please let me go late. Take me to school. I can't get my picture taken like this. I'm like, I've never seen you act like this. How bad can it be? Believe me, you won't care in a few years. Trust me on this. <laughs> and I had a very busy day ahead of me, so I was like, I'm not going to wait around take you to school. But finally, her little tears just broke my heart. I'm like... Okay, I remember eighth grade. Yes, they do. All right. Wash your hair. Come on. We'll leave in a half an hour. You know, so she gets her hair all done. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, you know, and the stress that you go through in the morning. I mean, I come down. I'm cooking that toast and you know, my little story, you know, <laughs> you all know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm cooking that toast or those eggos, you know, and I leave them in the toaster or too long and I'm off doing my stuff. They pop up. They're burned. I slap that butter on them, you know, <laughs> mom. This toast is burned. It's Cajun toast. Shut up and eat it. <laughs> I'm a Cajun cook, too, Kathy. <laughs> or put some peanut butter on it. They'll never see the burn, you know? <laughs> I mean, by the time you get to the bus, you know what I'm talking about, mothers. It's like, you know, we want to be the perfect Dobson mother. Come on, honey. We've got 10 minutes to spare. Let's pray our little prayers now. <laughs> Come on, honey, let's pray, sweetheart. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Yes, mommy, I love you. <sniffs> Instead, it's like, quickly, pray. Lord, we establish your dominion today. God, the bus is coming down the road. Oh, God, keep him safe today. Lord, wrap the angels around him. Oh my God. <laughs> Get out of this car. <laughs> You want to get up at five? You're on your own, kid. <laughs> That's what you feel like. You know? So it's like—I mean, I can't tell you how many times driving back from the bus stop, 5:30, 6:30 in the morning. You know, you're—it's 6:30 in the morning. You're not even supposed to be awake, let alone already having traumatic stuff going on, <laughs> having to already resolve it and get your heart right. My <laughs> six in the morning, man, I've had a Holy Ghost meeting with myself and my daughter. You're not leaving like this. And I'll tell you, you come home with that attitude. And I'll tell you what, if I have this attitude, when you get home, you can spank me. But you know, these... These are stuff we all face as moms. And, you know, those situations are the ones that leave lasting impressions, you know. I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so we have to choose, you know, whether to embed within the hearts of our children, our husbands, those around us, you know, some image of of us being ranting, raving, crabby, out of control, raggedy old crab cakes. (laughs) Or are we going to get a grip? Become mature, emotionally controlled adults, demonstrating creative leadership skills and supernatural self-restraint, creating a pleasant, happy, even joyful environment, dealing with the obstacles in a determined, positive, helpful manner. <laughs> so you get a grip. You act like the mom, (laughs) not the eighth grader. You act like the adult, you know, you might feel like just ranting and raving, but you get a grip, you get control, you know, and you don't kick them out of the car onto the street. (laughs) You might feel like those, but you don't do it. That's all right to feel that way. Just don't do it. Then you go and repent and get it right. And you do the whole concrete, you know, stick wood, wood, wood form, you know, it turns into concrete, but happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. And, you know, one of the greatest forms of of getting joy and happiness functioning in your own life is to give out of yourself. Is to give out of yourself. You know, I told you last night, if if there's times when I'm feeling stressed or pressured or if I'm feeling, you know, um, low self-esteem or insecure, you know what I do to pump myself up? I look at what my life has been allowed to accomplish I look and see what God is doing in the lives of of people in our church and through our ministry, and I just focus on those things. And you would not believe the incredible joy that just pours into my soul. And all of a sudden, the black hole of low self-esteem and insecurity and doubt and fear is immediately eliminated because you focus on somebody else. You focus on something greater than just yourself. You focus on other people and their needs and the incredible joy that comes by helping other people and by letting God use you as his instrument to one degree or another that's why the cell groups are so wonderful because the work that they are accomplishing you're letting God use you to touch people's lives i mean i wish i had time i could go on and on with stories of of how the cell groups have just rallied around people you know, we've, we've, had some, we've had some losses and some people that have passed away in the last year in this church. And the stories of how the cell groups just come to the aid of these people, just rally around them and support them and, and, and walk them through, you know, traumatic situations. It's just incredible. And I've seen the people in the cell groups just blossom and, and come into such incredible joy in their lives as God uses them to touch others. You know, we all have the choice to be bound by bitterness to be bound by jealousy, to be bound by, you know, the low base emotions. But, you know, people will hurt you. It's a fact of life. People will hurt you. There's no question about it. Get used to the idea. People will hurt you, but bitterness will kill you. Bitterness will kill you. You've, you've got to be able to rise up above it and not let it determine where your future is going to. You've absolutely got to just say no. You know, I, I love this uh, this story about... Well, it's not a story, but it's a saying. And it says, it goes like this. Let others dream small dreams, but not me. Let others wallow in pittiness and small-mindedness, but not me. Let others gossip and slander but not me. Let others be defeated by obstacles, but not me. Let others be drowned in self-pity, but not me. Let others be chained to anger, jealousy, and bitterness, but not me. Let others be bound by depression and negativism, but not me. Let others live mediocre, ineffective lives, but not me. Let others choose unhappiness, but not me. As for me, I choose joy. Amen. And I want us to close with that. I want us to stand together. I believe today that God is doing a work in our lives. You know, the Bible tells us, let not your heart be troubled. Okay, we all know that scripture. But do you realize that's not just, oh, honey, don't don't worry about it? That's a commandment. Don't let your heart be troubled. When stuff comes your way, when obstacles or challenges come your way, let not your heart be troubled. Make the choice. You evaluate the circumstances. I'm not talking about ignoring stuff. you got to deal with some stuff. You've got to sort through some issues. You know, if you're a business person, you've, you've got challenges every day. You know, if you're if, whatever profession you're in, whatever ministry you're in, every day stuff comes your way that you've got to plow through and deal with. But you make the choice not to let your heart be troubled. Not to get bogged down, weighted down under this. You've got to let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Because the joy of the Lord is your light to the world. Not only does it benefit you, but it's your light to the world. You know, we're telling the world, Come and find out about my God. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you what He can do for your life. What He's done for me. But if they don't see that evidenced in your life, you know, it kind of cancels out the message of the good news. And so it's not only important for you, but it's important for your, your testimony. And the greatest way of propelling joy in your life is to start giving out to others. You all know the story of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea in Israel is, is probably the richest mineral resource in the entire world. But not one thing can live in that sea. Not one thing can live in that sea. Not a fish, not a microorganism, nothing. And you know why? Because it's got water flowing into it, but it has no source of water flowing out. So everything that comes in ends up becoming toxic because it doesn't have outlets out. And that's the greatest illustration of our spirit, that God every week pours into us. You come in, you feast on the Word of God. You come in and you get pumped up, and as God does a work in you, you've got to be giving that out. You've got to become a flow. You've got to let him flow through you to touch others. Maybe you've only been saved a week. Maybe you've only been saved, you know, a short period of time. But start giving out to others, touching the lives of others. And that's what begins to cause that joy, really, to rise up on the inside of you. You know, there's a saying that I have, success is using your talents and gifts to their highest level advantage and contribution. Uh, an optimum use of talent and opportunities for the good of others, including yourself. You know, I like to say it like this. You can't, you can't row someone to the other side of a lake without getting there yourself. So when you use your life to help other people, you actually are helping yourself. <laughs> Amen? If nothing else propels you to <laughs> do it, let that be a propelling. Someone once said that leanness of soul is the boredom that comes with leveling off. You know, they asked a woman one time, they said, they asked her at the end of her life, what would you have done differently? She said, I would have found something bigger to give myself to. And you know, I believe that as we become an outflow of God's life, God's love, God's heart, we begin to touch the needs of others instead of focusing on our needs being met your needs will be met we teach all the time here on seed faith you give you receive you you sow you reap and in your life you know you've got needs you've got emotional needs you need met you've got things that you need god to do but god tells us in the world in the word what you cause to happen for others he will cause to happen for you Lord, I'm just sad. I need joy in my life. I need friends in my life. God, I'm so lonely. I wish somebody would be a friend to me. Oh, my goodness. Be a friend to somebody else. Stop waiting for someone to come into your life. You be a friend to somebody else. Look through this congregation every week and look for somebody who looks lonely. Look for somebody who obviously has a need. You can see people in the hall walking around. They're not quite sure, you know where to go, how to fit in. New people, God brings them into this church. Walk up to them, make them feel welcome. Hug them, love on them, take care of them. Say, you know what, what can I do to meet your needs? You need to know where the children's areas are. What can I do? What can I pray with you? I mean, don't flood them, you know, but I mean, you know, get, just, just be, be there for them. What can I do to, pr- to pray for you? I heard the most amazing story the other day, and I'll just close with this. One of our ladies was, was driving down the street, and she saw this policeman. And she, now let me just say this before I get into this. Please don't go and do something like this unless you really know the voice of God. Because, you know, this can kind of get weird. <laughs> but anyway, she heard the voice of God speak to her and say, you need to go pray for that policeman. And not just pray in your car, but you need to go and and tell him you want to pray for him. She's like, oh, Lord. You know, she was scared. She's just a woman, and she knows, you know, you're not supposed to go and talk to men alone and, you know, different things. But anyway, she just felt this burn. She pulled over the side of the road, and she said, Lord, couldn't I just pray for him right now? God said, I want you to go. Now, this is something out of the ordinary. That's why I'm kind of hesitant to even say this, because I don't want to turn you all loose to go grab a policeman and have a Holy Ghost meeting on his head, okay? Please don't do that. And please don't go praying for strangers, (laughs) Okay. Maybe I shouldn't have even told this. But anyway, please use some restraint. So she went over to him, finally got her courage up, went over to him and said, You know what, sir? You know, I don't mean to be presumptuous or, you know, uh, in your face or anything. But you know what? I I just would like to pray for you. And all of a sudden he just kind of stepped back. And and he began to tell her that that just the week before that um, his daughter's best friend had gotten shot. And you know there was a drive-by shooting, and he was the the victim of it. That he was, they weren't trying to shoot him. He just got in the way of the bullet. He was like an A student, really great kid, you know, into sports, just a clean living kid. But got in the way, of it. and this policeman was so broken hearted. His children were so broken hearted. His family was being torn apart by this because of the grief. And he said to her, he said, "Do you know?" He said, "I'm." You know, 40 some years old and never in my life has somebody offered to pray for me. And he told her, thank you so much. He said, why would you do that? You know, and she just began to tell him, invite him to the church and gave him a one pass and, you know, all kinds of things. And he was so grateful and so touched just by this simple act of her wanting to pray for him. A policeman, do you know, the, the the pressure that they're under every day And just to have somebody say, I'm praying for you. Do you know what an encouragement it is to to me in my life to have people that I know aren't just saying, oh, we're praying for but that I know are really plugged in and praying for us? Do you know what an odd thing it is to have people behind you and encouraging you and supporting you? And you each have the ability to do that. You know, when you're overcoming fears in your life, maybe you're not going to be a public speaker. Maybe you're not going to have to, you know, get up and, and, and do some of those things. But every day in your life, if you do the little things, God will open up bigger doors of opportunity for you. And you'll overcome those fears at that level. But let God use you. Let's just pray right now. Father, Lord, today, God, you're, you're doing a work in our lives. And God, I know that you're putting a new level of joy into our hearts and God I don't mean to discount the the needs or the emotions or the hurts Lord we know that you know the depths of the hurt in every life right here today but God I am believing you Lord to override everything the devil has thrown in our lives we know that he's the enemy People are not our enemy, but the devil himself is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Lord, right now, I take authority over every demonic strategy that has come against every one of our lives. I come against every spirit of defeat, every spirit of fear, anger, anxiety, stress, Lord, I come against every attack of the enemy in every one of our lives today in Jesus' name. And God, today we, we get past our past. Lord, we choose this day to leave our past behind. Lord, to focus on you, to focus on who you are, how big you are, God. Lord, this day, no longer will we wallow in self-pity. No longer, God, will we wallow in negative circumstances. We choose not to focus, God, on the negative things that have happened, but we choose to walk forward, Lord, in your glorious destiny, your glorious future for our lives. God, we are not going to look to our past. We're going to look to our future and everything that has happened to us up to this day, Lord, you are going to use to work Wonderful things in our lives to weave a beautiful tapestry, Lord, to take us into our destiny, Lord. And the hurts that we've had, you're going to use to work compassion in our hearts for other people, Lord, so we can work for you in a great way, Lord. Use our lives today, help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to put them on to others, to touch the needs of others that you bring our way, Lord. We lift ourselves to you today. Use us, God. Use our lives, God. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use us, God. Lord, we thank you that today you are changing us and shaping us and molding us. And today, Lord, we choose joy. We choose joy. Emotional, spiritual, and physical joy. Let it manifest in our lives. Let it be evident in our lives. Let it just show to the world and be a spark, Lord, to light this world on fire for you. And God, today we thank you for a supernatural deliverance and a supernatural impartation. We thank you and all God's people shouted, amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Now, would you give him praise? Thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for what he's doing and seal it.